I trust you will each have a blessed day, a safe day, and indeed a day of much rejoicing, and that in the midst of all the festivities and the food and the fellowship and the fun, there will be that opportunity to remember the reason for this day and give thanks to our God for his uh, great gift to us in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm turning in the Scriptures to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. I'm reading from verse 26 to the end of verse 38, and then I'm going on to the 46th verse and reading down to verse 56. But Luke 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then down to verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. May God bless to us this portion of his word this morning. Let us pray together. Father, as we come to your word, open the eyes of our understanding. Help us, our Father, to take in what you would say to us this day. Open our hearts that we may receive with gladness this word that has come of old. And grant, our Father, that with Mary we too may this day rejoice in Christ our Savior. Lead us, teach us, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And the virgin's name was called Mary. You know, Protestants have been somewhat hesitant to speak of her. But if we take note of Scripture, we see that while Mary is not to be venerated, she is to be emulated. And while she is not to be worshipped, she is to be honored. And so I want to just set before you this morning three thoughts, three aspects of the life of this young lass. First of all, Mary's story. And the story, of course, is very familiar. Six months after Gabriel had visited Zacharias, he is sent by God to this obscure village of Nazareth, tucked away there in the, in the hills of Galilee. And he appears to this young teenage girl named Mary and declares to her, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive and bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus. So how does Mary respond to this, this divine invasion? How does this young lass respond to these amazing words? Well, in the 34th verse of this first chapter of Luke, you see that Mary is overcome almost with a sense of incredulity. She asks the question, the natural question, how? How will this be? And what was the answer? Well, we were singing just a few moments ago. Hark, the herald angels sing. In the third verse, we employ these words. Heal the heaven-born prince of peace. 
And there was Mary's answer. How will this be? Heaven born. The Holy Spirit will come. The power of the Most High. Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. Her question is, how? And the answer given, very simply, is God. God. A sense of incredulity. But then you notice, in continued response, Mary's spirit of humility. For she comes to that point of declaring, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. That she expresses complete obedience and willing submission to this great God. Mary bows to and accepts God's will for her, God's word to her. And you know, sometimes, as I was saying yesterday morning, sometimes we read these passages, we know the story so well, it's all very familiar to us, but it's not as simple and as easy as we like to think. Because how quickly we, we read the passage and we read the story and we, we move on. Because you see, what, what did the acceptance of this will and acceptance of this word mean in reality to Mary? It brought a shadow over her decency. A question mark over her morality. A challenge concerning her integrity. For if I may say again, a virgin birth was as rare in those days as it is in our own. And to simply say that, that God did this is as unbelievable then as it is today. But nevertheless, we see Mary's spirit of humility, and we also see a stunning fidelity. Let it be to me according to your word. And little did she know what she was saying. Little did this young lass realize the road ahead. Little did she imagine the faith that she would need for the future. For here is this young woman, and, and, and probably just in her mid-teens, 14, 15 years of age, declaring to God to do to her as he pleases. Let it be to me, she says, according to your word. This was this young teenager's confession at Christmas. And I wonder what our confession is this morning. Be we teenager, or be we rather ancient like the one speaking to you. What is our confession 
to this story this morning. Mary's story. But what was it that enabled her to respond as she did? Well, the second thing I'd put to you this morning is this. We learn of her and her faith from Mary's song. Those words from verse 46 through 55. Because what do we learn of Mary from this great canticle, this, this Magnificat? Well, there are at least three things we glean as we, as we read this, this song. And the first is this, Mary knew her scriptures. She knew her Old Testament. You know, last, last Sunday, David was showing us how our young people here learned the books of the Bible. Well, here's this young person. And it becomes very obvious very soon that she was filled with Scripture. Her heart and her mind were saturated with the Word of God. And this is something amazing to us and, and, and in a sense something which humbles us because, you know, we, we live in a day when, when Bibles, you can get them in all shape and size and form. You can get them in all sorts and forms of translations. You can have a printed version. You can have a digital version. You can have it on your phone. Having a Bible is no issue, there's no problem, there's no difficulty today. But what of Mary? She had no personal scripture. She would have to go to the synagogue and listen to it being read. And her heart hungered for it. And she listened, and she learned. She took time to search the scriptures. And it's proved in this song, because this song that she sings is full of scripture. Let me just highlight for you the 46th verse. The 46th verse reflects 1 Samuel chapter 2, and Psalm 34, and Isaiah 61. And verse 47 reflects Isaiah 12 and Isaiah 45. And verse 48, Psalm 102 and Genesis 30. Verse 49, Psalm 126, 1 Samuel 2 again. The song is full of scripture. And it illustrates the point made by Jesus. That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And her heart was full of the word of God. You know, it was said of John Bunyan, the, the, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, that if you pricked him anywhere, the Bible would flow from him. His blood was bibline, and such was Mary. She knew her scriptures. And then she knew her sovereign. I wonder if you've ever noticed the language she employs. And the terms that she uses in this song to describe God. She speaks of his eyes. She speaks of his arm. She speaks of his mouth. She speaks of his mind. She speaks of his memory. She speaks of his mercy. Terms, human language that God has been pleased to give to us to reveal truths concerning himself. Truths that tell us of God's perception, of God's power, of God's might, of God's mercy. 
That the God whom she knows is a God who speaks and a God who acts. A God who knows. A God of might and majesty and mercy and grace. A God who is worth knowing. A God worth seeing about. So Mary knew her scriptures. And Mary knew her sovereign. And Mary knew her sin. For what does she confess? My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. God, my Savior. Words that indicate that Mary knew God as a saving God and of her own need of salvation. That Mary was not without sin. Mary was no co-redemptrix. No, no, no. She saw her sin as we need to see ours. She felt her guilt as we need to feel ours. She sensed her shame as we need to sense ours. And thus she saw the need of God as her Savior. And I wonder this Christmas morning, do we? Do you? Do I? Mary's story, one of remarkable faith and humility. Mary's song, a hymn of praise arising from her knowledge of the Scriptures her knowledge of her sovereign, her knowledge of her own sinful self. And so to my third point for the morning, the third feature, what do we see here? Mary's story, Mary's song, Mary's savior. Mary's savior. Like any mother, Mary knew the sound of her son's voice. She had heard that voice from the first cries from birth. But now comes a day when she hears it as never before. I'm fast forwarding some 33 years from the events of Luke chapter 2. And the scene is no longer a cradle, but a cross. No longer a scene of wise men worshipping, but of wicked men spitting and cursing. That amidst that dreadful scene of nature's night and dark depravity, Mary stands among a small company of others. And she looks up to that heart-rendering, stomach-churning scene, and eyes meet. We read from the cross when Jesus 
saw his mother. What an ocean full of emotion. The son sees again the face of the one who had held him, cared for him, nursed him, loved him from that first moment. Jesus sees the face of Mary and he speaks, woman, behold your son. And oh, what tender care comes from the cross because that term woman is one of deep affection and love. And so tenderly, he provides for his mother's ongoing care because he then turns to John, the beloved disciple, and he says to him, Behold your mother. John, you and I, to care for this one who has cared for me all these days. And from that scene of tender care, there came a cry of triumphant confession. For from Jesus came those astounding words, it is finished. Not a sigh of relief from the Savior. Not an expression of resignation, but a glorious confession of triumph and of victory. That Jesus has finished. Jesus has completed perfectly the work that the Father sent him to do. And that was to live a perfect life. And to die a sacrificial substitutionary death in the place of, in the room of, in the stead of sinful, rebellious, arrogant men and women such as we are. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. But that's not the end of the story for Mary and Jesus. For Jesus stood up again on the third day. Alive forevermore, death could not hold him. And so Dr. Luke records that he presented himself alive to many during the following 40 days. Then he ascended into heaven. And his followers, after watching him go, return to Jerusalem, and they devote themselves to prayer. And who was with them? Dr. Luke goes out of his way to name Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. Mary, now a follower of Jesus, Mary, now a part of his family. A change in relationship has come. No longer son, but my Savior. Mary now stands in this relationship of grace through faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. And you may be here this morning with your family. And that's 
That's wonderful. But let me ask you this. This morning, are you part of God's family? Do you identify with Jesus? Or you're sitting there, uninterested, unmoved, unbelieving. I've heard it all before. This is Christmas. This is tradition. This is what you do. This is what you hear. This is what you listen to. And the, the story, the truth, the facts, they go in one ear and out the other. You've never really stopped to ask yourself the question, what is it meant to mean to me? What is Christmas supposed to mean to me? You treat the story as a tale, but my friend, it's true. It's wonderfully true, and it's terribly true. For if Mary needed Jesus to die for her sin and to be her savior, how much more do you need him to save you from the wrath of a holy God? To save you from your pride and from your pedigree, from your personality. To save you from an endless eternity of unquestionable desires and lost opportunities. To save you from the, from, from the, the haunting memory that on December 25th, 2023, You listen to an old guy at Packenham Baptist Church tell you the true story of Jesus and told you to flee from the wrath to come and told you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you didn't. You didn't. And that terrible thought and memory will haunt you for all eternity. You were here. You heard. But you didn't really listen. Oh, my dear friends, if you have never come to Christ for life before, you can come to him today. To come to him with prayer for mercy and grace. To come to him without delay. To come to him rejoicing along with Mary and all of God's family. And rejoice in God our Savior. Come. Before the sun sets this night and darkness descends. Settle it, settle it, my friend, in your heart and in your life today. Settle it today. Come and rejoice in Christ the Savior. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. And we pray that you would work in us as you worked in Mary. We pray that you would work in us that which is good and pleasing 
to your sight for your own name's sake and to our Father for our soul's salvation. Speak, Lord, in the stillness while we wait on thee. In Jesus' name, amen.